0: American United has a convenient branch right at the VA Medical Center, along with eight other locations across Utah. As a member, our veterans get the best rates on loans and savings products. Learn more at amucu.org. Now's the time to find your color, your paint, and everything to get started during red, white, and blue savings at the Home Depot. Transforming your room is easier than ever. With the best deals online and in-store, you can confidently select your color and the tools for your next paint project. Get a colorful new experience and the right paint for the right price. Save $10 on one gallon and $40 off three and five gallons for a limited time only at The Home Depot. More saving, more doing. Limit 25 gallons per household. See store for details.
1: Welcome to Ideation Collective. I'm Jess Larson. Today with my co-host, Josh Soloway. We are going to be talking to Mark... Ilenowicz. The one thing I want to point out
2: all of these types of investments, you can you need to go into with the mindset that you could lose your entire investment. These are high risk investments, they're not uh, something that is for long term capital appreciation.
1: This is another episode of our Innovation and Leadership series where we interview pro-athletes, world-class musicians, CEOs, Hollywood filmmakers, and a wide variety of other high achievers. Before we get rolling, we want to invite you to get involved in the charity our founders helped start called Child Rescue. We work to combat child sex trafficking in the U.S. and globally. The top project you could help with now is in Cusco, Peru. There are 20 girls that the local government rescued but didn't have anywhere to keep them safe, so they put them in jail. The government has said that they're willing to give custody of these kids to the aftercare facility we're helping to expand now, once we raise enough money and build an extra building there. To learn more, please click on the Child Rescue tab on our website, which is iCollective.co. So with that out of the way, let's get to the interview. Mark, thanks for making on the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Excited to be here. Did I pronounce your last name right? You did. <laughs> Great. Well, listen. <laughs> uh, I think that this is going to be a fun show. Um, we have a lot of people who want to know more about getting their company financed, and and certainly your background is is what we want to be talking about that today. But also your entrepreneur background, everything from mowing lawns and shoveling walks as a little kid to starting your own chocolate company as a thirteen year old. Now you're doing you know, large-scale financings and and putting people on the stock market. Um, but to to start it all off here, can you tell us what Bank is?
2: Sure, Bank uh, is a div- the online division of TriPoint Global Equities. We are a full-service uh, investment bank located in New York City. Uh, we primarily focus on raising capital for companies, um, all all shapes and sizes across the capital stack, but. TriPoint, the main business is institutional in nature. Most of our uh, capital raises are in the 10 to 50 million range. And what we recognized was there was a void for individual investors to be able to get access and participate uh, without having some type of relationship or being in, in the quote, the boys club where they would get access to these types of offerings. So we created bank to basically streamline and digitize the entire offering process. So investors can now come online, make their own investment decisions, not be bothered by a broker calling them, but being able to to utilize the internet to do research, get background information, and then come to our site to have access to not only tripoints transactions, because we open bank to all broker dealers, but to other brokers as well. And being able now, what's and this is really the key point, is it's transparency of information. When an investor utilizes Uh, diligence. They do so, or in the past, it's been basically reading a prospectus that's black and white and boring. It's going to tell you every reason why you're going to lose your money, which is important because those risk factors are key, but it's missing the story. It's not having an interactive or a digital experience. So what we built bank to be able to do is to be able to have videos, interactive chats, being able not only to see everything about the company in that black and white form, but in a digital and color and graphical form. And then more importantly, when a PPM is created, it has information and data that is put, backs up the information that goes into that PPM. In the institutional world, that's something called a data room and investors are able to go in and be able to look at the contracts that are being detailed or talked about. In the retail world, that's not very common. You just have to take for granted that the bank did their work. What we're doing with bank is on when we do private placements is that investors have now access equal access to that data room and backup information. So bank's model is, or and our, our uh, motto, excuse me, is leveling the playing field for individual investors and creating transparency in the market for those investors and giving them access to product they normally wouldn't have access to.
1: That's great. You know, um, to give people an example of this, you guys are working with a pretty exciting company right now. And I, I know Josh has got a lot of questions for you, so I'll hand it over to him after this one. but um, let's talk about D-Wave, the quantum computer company. You know, Google claims that their D-Wave is 100 million times faster than any of today's computer machines. Uh, tell us about why they came to you, what you're doing for them, what that process looks like.
2: OK, so we're actually it's an interesting hybrid model, and it's something that we're going to be doing now with a lot of companies. So we actually do not represent D-Wave. Mm. We represent a company called H&H, Harrison Harris, which is a Nasdaq traded under the symbol TINY Business Development Company. And Harrison Harris makes investments into exciting technologies and Harrison Harris made an investment into D-Wave as an institutional investor. And if you look at D-Wave, it's a quantum computer company, but it's been financed by some of the best of the best. Bezos uh, Amazon, uh, Goldman, Fidelity, Un- inqtel large brand name institutions, and this is the classic example where an individual investor would never have access to be able to s- invest side by side um, with in- with institutions like that. So Harrison, Harris, and Bank thought about it and got together and decided that Harrison, Harris has a preemptive right to invest further into D-Wave, and they took that right, and they have the right to invest up to $15 million, and created a special purpose vehicle that took that investment ability and is now offering it out to individual investors where those funds can be aggregated into this special purpose vehicle, and those funds will be invested directly into D-Wave. Now, this is a 506C offering, which means that in order to participate You must be accredited, which is have a $200,000 annual income and a million dollar net worth. But it still gives those individuals, rather than a large institutional player, access to side-by-side investment with the big boys. So that's what we're doing with it. And we're going to be doing with another one. It's actually going to be coming out soon, too, which is another very exciting company, which is called HZO, which is another large uh, institutional type play.
1: And so... When when Goldman or Bezos, you know, is buying into something like D-Wave, what what kind of increments are they buying in versus what someone's got the opportunity here with this 506C?
2: Ah, uh, those ranges anywhere from five million to twenty
1: million plus. And then here through the 506C with you guys, what what are
2: could be as little as twenty five thousand.
1: Much more accessible, huh? Absolutely. Well, Josh, I well, know you've got tons of questions. Why don't you jump in here?
3: Well, yeah, um, you know, it's I think just taking a step back, but that's great to get a little context, too. I mean, if we could uh, just get Mark, if you could just tell us a little bit about, um, you know, the change that the Jobs Act, you know, really represents for this industry, what it means for people and kind of distinguish a little bit between, you know, the terms that are thrown around that are, you know, pretty s- becoming standard among the people who deal in this all the time now. But really things like what is the distinction between reggae versus, you know, regulation CF for crowdfunding? And, you know, what about 506C? Just like you've started to, but can you sort of
2: just walk sure. us through that? Absolutely. So, JOBS Act came out, and there, there are really three areas of the JOBS Act that that this, everybody has uh, started talking about. There's Title II, Title Three, and Title IV. Uh, the word that's being thrown out quite a bit now is crowdfunding. And prior to just last month, equity-based crowdfunding in the United States was not legal. And when investors and marketing people started using that term, they've now morphed that into the other parts of the JOBS Act, Title II and Title IV. But crowdfunding, uh, Regulation CF, which is Title III, is the only actual crowdfunding. And, And let's start with what that is. So prior to May, investors that, or rather issuers that wanted to raise money could utilize some great sites out there like Indiegogo and Kickstarter and come up with an idea and raise capital from the crowd. But the capital they were raising were not equity-based investments. They were a charitable donation or buying a product or an advance. So when an investor would give capital... In exchange, they would be able to walk the red carpet or feel good about themselves or get a t-shirt or a hat or a mug or be able to buy a product at a discounted rate prior to uh, manufacturing of that product. And that was, if you look back, and and let's go back in time, this is going back to 2011, 2012, everybody's starting to talk about this and Jobs Act comes out in 2012. That's when I actually started becoming a big contrarian and started arguing on on panels where I would sit with five people telling me how great crowdfunding is going to be, and I'm the only one out there telling them why it's not going to work. And the reason it's not going to work, and it's not going to work on any meaningful scale, was at the time, as I said, it wasn't legal, it was only charitable based. But what the SEC decided to do was get smart. And they said that and it took many years for it actually to come to to pass, but crowdfunding is taking unsophisticated investors because you're going to the crowd and you're utilizing issuers that are probably very unsophisticated as well. These are entrepreneurs that have all these great ideas, but they're now taking money from the mass. So you have an unsophisticated investor, you have an unsophisticated issuer, And then the structure they're using is unsophisticated as well. It's not a venture capital structure. It's not a professionally banked investment banking structure. Most of them are just straight common stock. So these are investors making investments into ideas that really won't have any chance for liquidity. The likelihood of an IPO or exit is not very high. The likelihood of return of capital is not very high. And most of these companies are gonna need to raise a lot more money. So those investments are gonna become diluted almost overnight, assuming that the issuer even knows how to operate by having these hundreds, if not thousands of new shareholders, and the invest issuer can only raise up to $1 million. And in order to do so, it will cost them probably between commissions and legal and accounting a couple hundred thousand dollars. So you're talking about a company raising a million but netting 800000 Not very good. And the final part of it is that the you have to be a licensed portal or a licensed broker dealer, which was fantastic for trying to eliminate fraud. But as a broker dealer, we're taking, as I said, these unsophisticated investors in unsophisticated structure. The liability for us is so high and so great that no one in their right mind as a broker dealer or full service would get involved with this. Because one customer complaint, in fact, every customer complaint has to be which counts against us, and on top of it, it will be faster to write a letter to uh, give, rather give the invest the grandma. Let's example in the bingo parlor that invests more than she ever should have in the deal than having my lawyer write a letter and say, "I'm sorry, you can't get your money back." So we've avoided that. So that's just my little speech there on uh, Title Three. The parts of the Jobs Act, though, that is exciting is Title Two and Title Four. So we just talked about D Wave. D Wave is being offered as a Title Two Five Hundred Six uh, Reg D 506C private placement. And this is something the first time since 1934 that the SEC changed the way a deal can be marketed. Prior to the Jobs Act, when a company was raising capital and they were raising capital on a private placement, most people don't realize this, but you are only allowed to market to individuals that you have a pre existing relationship with that you know for at least 30 days. You can't meet somebody at the country club, tell them about your company the very next day and have them invest. That actually would be a violation. So what the SEC changed and what Jobs Act changed is now under 506C, you can do that. In fact, you can actually go and take an ad in Times Square or a billboard out or put an ad in the newspaper and say, we're raising money and tell everybody about what it is. And that was a material change because now companies were not, restrained on, on who they can talk to, they can now talk to everybody. But the caveat is prior to the JOBS Act, if you're marketing to accredited investors, and these are investors with at least a $200,000 income and million dollar net worth, as I mentioned earlier, when you were doing a, the old way, the investor would tell you that they're accredited and you would they would check the box to acknowledge that their accreditation and fill in their income and net worth. And as the issuer, that was fine, you could accept that. Under the new rules under 506C, you now have to verify that accreditation. You can no longer rely on a statement from the uh, investor. You now have to verify that they truly are accredited, and there's only three people that can do that, or three groups, a law firm, an accounting firm, or a broker-dealer. So now you need to look at tax returns, income statements, personal statements, and assets in order to determine that suitability, and you need to be able to prove it and have high degree of confidence that that investor truly is accredited. So that was a material change. The last part of the Jobs Act, and I think this, for, for us here, at TriPoint and Bank, that we think is the most material aspect and, and the greatest thing that the uh, Jobs Act has been able to bring to the market is called Regulation A+. And I like to call this, it's bringing back the small cap IPO. It's now enabling issuers to go out To non accredited investors across all 50 states, utilizing social media, digital marketing, full general solicitation of up to $50 million for a company to raise capital. It's fantastic. There's been a void for small issuers to be able to raise money in this market over the last several years. There were not many tools available to an issuer to go out and be able to raise money. They could do a private placement. But the private placement, as I said, could only be done to accredited investors, which is a small population, a small universe. There are investors now that never had the opportunity to invest before that might not be accredited, but have the right investment objective and are suitable. And that's a big point. You must be suitable to invest in these deals, but now have access to these deals that they never had before. issuer can reach those investors. So that's what we built bank to be able to do. So now an issuer can go out and raise the money from the community and utilizing an electronic platform like bank enables these investors access to the deals in a completely digital environment. And if you look at the way the millennials and the world is investing today, they don't want a broker calling them up and pitching them like the old days. They want to make their own decisions. They want to go online, in their own environment, in the safety of their home, or wherever they want to be, without the high-pressure tactics, and make an informed decision, without somebody manipulating them into that position. They want to make the decision on their own, and now they have access to that under Reg A plus.
3: Can you just quickly thank you? That's really uh, that's perfect. You know the. Can you talk a little bit about what suitability means, like in terms of being suitable investors under Reg A plus?
2: Yeah, and that that's important to to know. Um, and there's, this is actually a big disconnect, and this is where a broker-dealer working on a transaction uh, will be able to provide insight and guidance. I use grandma's example, at the, and I always like to say she's at the bingo parlor, and she hears somebody talking about the next great Twitter, or the next great Facebook, and she gets all excited and wants to invest. Every investor has what we call suitability. Is the investment suitable for them based upon their financial status and their need for liquidity and their risk tolerance? So where that example, grandma might certainly be accredited, she might have the net worth, doesn't mean that it's suitable for somebody at her age to make these type of investments when she has no income and lives on fixed income, that's investment income or Social Security. She should not be investing in high risk investments. The example also is you have a plumber who had a slip and fall. So that plumber just got a large upfront settlement. So they're accredited. He has over a million dollars in the bank, but he needs that money to live in order to pay his medical bills and survive. So it's not suitable. So it's important that investors recognize where they fit and what their long outlook is. If they are Young and they have the ability to speculate, and it's something that they could take the risk. And and the one thing I want to point out all these types of investments, you can need to go into with the mindset that you could lose your entire investment. These are high risk investments, they're not uh, something that is for long term capital appreciation. So investors should look at each deal on what they can afford to lose. And in terms of the investment objectives, as I said, is there a short term? Is it a long term? Is it a need for income? Is it a need for capital growth? Those are all the things that invest investors have to look in the mirror before they make an investment decision to decide whether it's proper for them to invest in that type of uh, opportunity
1: and so if i'm a if I'm an entrepreneur and I'm saying, yeah, I'm interested in becoming an issuer and this reggae plus stuff sounds pretty awesome, maybe give us uh, kind of some numbers thinking about listen. You know, by the time you pay lawyers and we've got broker fees and and for this to make sense, you probably want to be raising. I mean, you can raise up to 50 million, but you probably want to be out there where you're looking for at least this much. And here's the kind of time frames you want to keep in mind if you're thinking about becoming an issuer.
2: Absolutely. So the the big disconnect that everybody seems to, uh, to have is Regulation A plus allows you to raise up to 50 million dollars that doesn't mean you're going to raise $50 million or that you are even uh, able to raise $50 million or that it's realistic to raise $50 million. We utilize Reg A Plus as a means for companies to be able to utilize general solicitation to non-accredited investors. And I'm going to give you the reason why this is important and then answer your question. Prior to Reg A Plus, when a company was going out to raise money in the market, they would file an S-1, and an S-1 would be confidentially marketed or confidentially filed, or and, and during that time, the company would be in a quiet period. There could be no public announcements except for the ordinary course of business, no conditioning the market. It was a, a, a process that then at the end, when the, company, uh, when the prospectus was able to be communicated, they would go out and do roadshows, and there were rules and regulations of what could be said and what could be left behind and what could be filed. Reg A plus changed all that. Enable now, you can not only market the deal prior to being filed, but through that entire filing and review process with the SEC, you can go out and communicate under what's called testing the waters. And this is important because it allowed issuers to gauge the market's interest to determine that there were going to be adequate interest in order to facilitate and close the financing, which gets back into the pricing. So the other important aspect of it is that Prior to this, if a company was out marketing a deal under an S-1, they were u- utilizing the, I, the the exchange exemption that at the end of the offering period, the company would be listed on a national exchange, so state law wouldn't be violated from from marketing it. And this is something that's a little confusing to investors. They want to know why can't I? If I saw something online uh, out of New York and I live in California, why can't I buy that? But each still each state has their own, own rules, of, and it's called blue sky. Reg A plus did away with that. It allowed now general solicitation across all fifty states. So when a company was doing our standard IPO, if they needed ten million dollars to list on NASDAQ and they didn't raise ten million dollars, they raised nine point five. They just spent a lot of money, a lot of time, and a lot of effort, and they would have to return that capital. With Reg A plus, if they didn't qualify for NASDAQ, they could now trade OTC and actually close and take that money. So that was really key and very important, which goes back now to pricing. Issuers that want to raise money from the marketplace have to look at themselves and say, why am I raising money utilizing Reg A Plus or any type of instrument? And is it realistic that the goals that I'm setting and the valuation that I'm trying to achieve will actually occur and will I be able to close on this transaction? So the cost of being public of going public or one thing. And then there's the cost of being public and there's responsibility of taking shareholder capital and no longer being just a couple guys that maybe have started a business. But now you have shareholders that you have to create shareholder value and you have to be responsible and act in the manner, not only what's best for you, but best for all shareholders. So when an issuer comes to us, we we, we speak with them and have that conversation. And then we we map out Two types of things. How much capital do they need to execute their business? We get a lot of companies that come to us that need money just to keep the lights on. That's not the kind of company that we're looking to finance. We're looking for a company that has a has gotten to a certain point and is ready to take it to the next level. And this capital that investors will give them will grow them to the next level. And then once they're public, there's a cost associated. So to come public, you're talking about legal fees of anywhere from fifty to to $100,000. And that's the issue the issuer's legal fee. You then also have uh, accounting expenses. So in order to be a listed security uh, under Reg A+, you need to have PCAOB, uh, qualified audits. And those audits' uh, prices range anywhere from fifty dollars to $250,000, depending on how big and complex your business is. You then have underwriter fees uh, if you're utilizing a broker-dealer. We work on a success-based fee. Our fees range four percent and seven and a half percent on the total amount of money that you raise. Uh, so I would say that on average an issuer needs to go in with the expectation they're gonna be spending from between a hundred and three hundred thousand dollars to go public. You also have a marketing cost. People don't wake up and want to buy stock. You still have to sell it to them. You need to reach the audience. No, and I'm gonna be one of the few banks that actually tell you what you need to hear and not what you want to hear <laughs> and be real good, good. Be honest. But none of us, including Bank, have this magic database that we send out your offering and suddenly everybody says, I'm going to buy a piece of it. It's not, the industry's not there yet. It's too brand new. There's only been one company, Clio, that was a successful offering that actually has raised anything meaningful. And they spent a lot of money, 50000 per million, to raise the money. So you need to be budgeting a, a, a marketing budget of anywhere from two hundred to $350,000. So this is not an inexpensive endeavor. All the companies that we're working with that are currently on bank and the ones that are going to be coming out on bank all have committed that type of budget. So Reg A Plus is a tool to raise money for an issuer that should be raising money and going public, not just, and I've had over 200 companies apply to a bank, and many of these companies shouldn't even be public at all. No less should never take outside investment capital. They're just enough thought or an upstart, an idea. And that's where crowdfunding is great for them. But Reggae Plus is an issuer that wants to raise capital, be public, because after you're public, you're looking at an expense of anywhere from 200 to 400000 minimum per year to maintain your public listing. And that's another disconnect. I think a lot of investors or issuers come to us and say, hey, I'm going to raise $20 million, and that's all I ever need to spend the money up on. $20 million is the beginning. you now have, years of being public, that the, those costs continue to accrue every year and must be paid because, you, as I said, you have to create shareholder value. So that's something that investors and issuers should really be conscious of. So I know I spoke a lot here and didn't give you the final answer, but I would, when I, if I was an issuer, I would look to raise no less than 5 to $10 million. Uh, if you're looking for anything less than $5 million, I think you need to l- utilize or think about using other exemptions. And that's, again, from my standpoint of a company that's going to be publicly listed. There are alternatives. There are other sites that are out there that look for, utilize Reg A as a means to raise capital from investors without the idea of an exit strategy in the near term. These uh, sites are being very upfront and telling investors that these are three to five year investments and don't expect liquidity before that. And those companies are raising between one and three million and for their issuers because they're utilizing it as just an ability to go out and raise money uh, to get their businesses started. So it's more early stage, but everything I just talked about was being a company that would be exchange or uh, OTC listed.
1: That's great. Well, can we, yeah, it really is. You know, and I think
3: this, this is sort of brings us to something that I think we just putting point on it you know, is that clearly from our conversations previously, and, and uh, some of the presentations I've seen, uh, you give Mark um, and the research obviously we've done, banks seems to take more of a hands-on approach to these to, to these to its clients' raises. And that's not to knock anybody else. It's just that you have a different model. Um, what does that look like in practice? You sort of refer to working with clients to understand what their capital needs are, like where are they going to use the money for, how much should they really target, you know, what's the fit, etc. What does that look like in practice? When you get a new, can you kind of walk us through, you get a new client, one that actually fits, that's not just uh, you know, a, a guy with a great idea um, and a truck, uh, but uh, you know, one that somebody comes in, you think it makes sense, and you, you know, sort of walk us through what
2: that looks like, but someone
3: who needs some, some good insight and
2: counseling. Well, I can give you two, two live examples that are up on bank right now that are in the Tesla, watering fa- Tesla water phase. First one is yingling ice cream. So Yingling is uh, not Yingling beer; it's part of the same family. But they oh, have i was getting excited! Yeah, but uh, you know everybody eats ice cream, so it's a great local uh, Pennsylvania Lancaster County-based company. Um, huge social following, uh, great brand awareness, great brand loyalty, perfect reggae plus client. Companies growing, almost doubling every year in sales. This year will probably do 8, 9 million in sales, something like that. Uh, and they have a good footprint up and down the East Coast. And they have a loyal following of customers that want to be shareholders of the company. The company is utilizing Reggae Plus now to be able to market to those very customers and make them shareholders and allow them to participate in the growth of the business. So not only do they like to eat the ice cream and they're it's a family-run business. It's Everybody in the local community knows it, and now they can buy it. Prior to Reggae Plus, they couldn't. Um, that company is looking at restructuring. The company, an example of why TriPoint slash Bank is good for them is they have debt facilities. They're looking to make acquisitions. They're looking to buy um, and possibly build their own plant. So they need equipment financing and other types of, of instruments beyond just the, the public offering. That's what we're able to do and help them through at TriPoint. So it's a perfect candidate, and that one will be out later on this year. We have another company called Myomo. Very exciting business. A little different. They don't have quite the social media following, but it has a product that touches everybody in in one way or another. They've built an exoskeleton uh, robotic arm that utilizes your brain waves that is received through your muscle that enables an amputee or somebody with, who is a stroke victim or has MLS or ALS and has doesn't have mobility of their arm to now gain mobility back. So it's something when you look at it, you can see through the video, and you see a little uh, boy who was injured playing football who can now lift his arm and pet his dog when he wasn't able to do so before. Or you see the vet that came back and lost his arm who now has mobility. It's powerful statement it's something that everyone can relate to it's something if you think about again why reg a plus is great is it's a visual experience where somebody can see that company see the product and see that it works this company is a more early stage but at the same time more mature they've raised over 20 million dollars over the last several years the technology comes out of mit their scientific advisory board is unbelievable they have sales their business is doubling also almost on a quarterly basis, and they're now starting to make traction. The capital that we're raising for that company will be utilized to continue to expand and grow their marketing business, the marketing side of their product. And that company will probably be exchange listed either New York Stock Exchange or NASDAQ. So the company we're focusing right now on, uh, on helping them get through their capital stack and raise capital in order to facilitate the next line to do this public offering. Their form 1A will probably be filed here in the next month or so. And you've got a sophisticated management team that utilizes the expertise. So we're able to bring not only investors from the U.S., but globally and strategic partners and strategic large institutional investors. And both of these deals are going to be done in a hybrid manner. And I think this is important to see the success of an offering. When a deal goes out on the Internet, as I said, none of us have this magic database you still need to have a relationship with institutions or investors that want to invest in these types of deals. And more importantly, will invest in the deals based on a realistic valuation. Reg A plus has created another illusion. So, Illusion one is you can automatically raise 50 million. Illusion two is that you're raising money from non-sophisticated investors so you can make up any valuation you want. It's not realistic. Deals aren't going to get sold when an entrepreneur goes out with an unrealistic valuation, that a company that's doing no revenue should not be trading at a $300 million valuation on a market cap. So that's why utilizing a bank or any professional investment bank, we come in and we run comps and we structure a deal that's fair not only to the investors, but fair to the issuer. It's a balance between coming up with valuation where a deal can get sold and not priced at the high, so it gives investors upside. But at the same time that it's not priced too low where the company is giving away too much of their shares. And that's like on any IPO. So that's the value that a professional investment bank will offer. Uh, what's also important, which offers some comfort to investors, is that by having a bank uh, participate, we conduct full due diligence, background checks, analysis. We verify contracts, we do site visits. We make sure that the company uh, to our the best of our ability is adequately versus an issuer that's doing this on their own without an investment bank and it, the investors are expected to conduct that due diligence
1: themselves which is very dangerous we're going to cut off part one of the interview there in the interest of time we've had feedback that people would rather have 20 to 30 minute episodes so we're going to break the interviews in half please check back tomorrow for part two of the interview and as always come to icollective.co for show notes and to learn more about child rescue, go to the menu and, and look at our child rescue page and see if that's something that you'd like to get involved with. Thanks for listening.
0: Now is the time to find your color, your paint, and everything to get started during red, white, and blue savings at the Home Depot. Transforming your room is easier than ever. With the best deals online and in-store, you can confidently select your color and the tools for your next paint project. Get a colorful new experience and the right paint for the right price. Save $10 on one gallon and $40 off three and five gallons for a limited time only at The Home Depot. More saving, more doing. Limit 25 gallons per household. See store for details.